Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Good to see you all. Good to see you all. My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based in sunny Sacramento, California. We're, 40, we're 35, 45 strong up and down the state. Um, yes, so if you have a paranormal need, just give me a ring up on, well, literally a PM on Facebook, or a PM on California Haunts radio site, CaliforniaHaunts.org. Uh, where else? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything I have is public. So, I mean, you can give me a good a good ring and uh, we'll get out there. And the reason why we can get out there is because, you know, we have people, like I said, up and down the state. So, we're on, we're in almost every county. So, if you have some kind of paranormal need and you're in a county that we don't have somebody in, we're within driving distance to come out and help you. And the goal is to educate. We're not out there to debunk. To, we have any bunkers or anything like that, but we're out there to look, you know, for logical explanations and then so, and then work towards that paranormal thing. You know, for 40% of us are, are, are logical kind of people and the, and the other 60% are the people that, that believe that things that go bump in the night do exist. So you're, you're getting a real good mixture and we're professionals, we're lawyers, we're doctors, we're nurses, we're, you know, we're construction people, so you're getting a good mixture of, of, of talent out there. And we also have some psychologists on staff to help you out as well, because there may be something else underlying going on with all this, you know. So uh, we're probably one of the best. Uh, now, I'm honestly going to say this. We're probably one of the best teams out there, and we've been around for a long time. Anyway, welcome to the show. And we got a great show tonight. You know how I am about being a journalist and all, and I like to mix it up a lot. And so today is no exception. Yesterday, we kind of mixed it up. Today is something deep, clear and dear to my heart. You know, this happens to a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I have a friend, an older friend. I'm not going to use the name because I, I, I knew them for years. And I remember her husband was one of these men that would not go. He had to have a say in everything she did. Every function she made in her home, everything. It didn't matter. He would pick her up after work. He'd take her to work every day. And at lunchtime, he'd be by, and he'd be timing her at her lunchtime, especially if she went out to lunch with people. He would be sitting outside, and I saw him do this. He would be sitting outside with a wristwatch, timing her. And if she was if she was a minute late, she got a royal butt, a royal butt beaten, verbally, of course. You know, um, they would go shopping, and he did not like to shop, so he would drive her to the store. And he had it timed. How long it should take her to go in and get her groceries. And again, if she was late, there'd be hell to pay. You know, so he was like, he was like that with her. They were an older couple, been married for years, but that's, that, that, that's how it was in their house. And I've known it with younger couples. I knew another, I knew a younger couple in their, in their mid twenties who were like that. She'd have to go pick her daughter up at school, and he knew exactly how long it would take for her to go pick her daughter up. And then if she was late, he wouldn't say anything. But when she got home, 
and started fixing dinner and everything, he would be going through her purse to see what to, to, to see if he could find any evidence of, of her messing around on him or anything. Same thing with the ballet lessons when the daughter started ballet lessons. So there's a lot of this going around, and, and women, unfortunately, you know, in the situation, and I'm not saying women are dumb. Women are not dumb, but depending on how you know your background and how you believe. You can get sucked in pretty good. Pretty good. So um, this is why this guest I'm having on is dear and dear to my heart. Because I've seen this with, with people that have been around me. You know. And it doesn't necessarily. Abuse comes in all kinds of forms. Verbal abuse. When you live with somebody that's constantly putting you down. When you're around somebody that's constantly putting you down. Or it's, everything's your fault. When you have somebody in your life like that. Where everything is your fault. I mean, but this lady I'm going to have on Donna Anderson, you got to hear her story. Because it's because it'll open your eyes. And I'm so glad there are people around like her who want to tell their story. And, it, and who want to help others not fall into that trap or get out of the trap when they're in it. It is so important. So let me get Donna on, okay? And then we'll talk about other stuff. Like, one more thing. One more thing real quick before I forget. Saturday, there's six spots left for the event with Nancy Mass to do a five-minute reading. $10.99. Check us out at California Haunts Ghostly Events. That's all I'm going to say right now. All right. Let me bring Donna on. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this all day. Oh, good. Because, like I said, I have run into people who have had their lives run by their spouse or boyfriend, even boyfriend. I said, well, that's what I understand is the boyfriend thing. Because here you're not even married to the person. Those are the ones I don't understand, you know? Not that I'm perfect, but I'm just saying, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's sad. Okay. Well, um, the, the story that you were telling about your older friend with the mm -hmm. guy who was um following and taking the, his wife to lunch and, or taking his wife to work picking her up taking that's happens a fair amount in people with people who are involved with someone who probably has um either antisocial narcissistic borderline or psychopathic personality disorder and the prime motivation of people who have these disorders is to have power and control over mm -hmm. others. And that is essentially the foundation of the relationship that when somebody is married to someone like this, I, they're the uh, target because the woman in this case, I think you could call a target. Um, perhaps in the beginning, uh, she, felt like the man loved her because uh, it's quite possible for them to put on a, a very convincing act. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they tend to, when you meet them, they tend to sweep you off your feet and tell you how wonderful you are and shower you with attention and affection. And then slowly they start with the control. You know, first they start making a few little comments and, you know, then it becomes, you know, complaints and then it becomes, you know, telling them what to do. Then it becomes limiting their movements, limiting their money. Um, you know, so there is a progression about this. Um, and essentially it is about having power and control over the other person. 
and you, you were questioning about um, how this happens with a boyfriend or girlfriend or someone who isn't even married to the person. Mm -hmm. And the reason that can happen is because these controls are emotional. And so they don't need the legal document in order to establish power and control, although that makes it harder to get out of it. Um, but in, the, the, the key tools that they use are emotional. And so they, that can be done when someone is not married to the individual. Does that come from, I mean, as far as picking a victim, I mean, could it happen to anybody? Or is it generally women that have certain backgrounds, too, where, where you know, they, they, they crave that attention? Well, first of all, let me point out that women are not the only victims. Uh, because uh, it is quite possible for both men and women to have any of these personality disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, typically with antisocial and psychopathic and even narcissistic personality disorders, uh, typically they say that more men than women have those disorders. Uh, it's like a ratio of about three to one. Um, but if you look at borderline um more women are diagnosed with borderline than men. Um, although the men who have borderline personality disorder, um, sometimes they can be violent. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's messy all the way around. But as far as the targets are concerned, um, there, there isn't really a profile that you would expect of people who get into these situations because sometimes you say, or people think that, oh, they have low self-esteem mm -hmm. or they uh, you know, have no confidence in themselves or they're codependent or something like that. And that's not necessarily the case. There actually was some research done by a colleague of mine related to women who uh, become targeted by psychopaths. And they, they, uh, did a survey and they did uh, personality studies uh, with with a group of women. I forget how many there were, but they, they wrote a book about it. But anyway, they did find some traits in women that uh, put them at risk of becoming involved with a psychopath. And the prime trait was um, extroversion. How about that? You know, people who are extroverted, who uh, uh, are, they like excitement, they like a lot of things going on in their life, they're go-getters. And uh, this actually puts them at risk of being involved with a psychopath. And the reason is because, you know, people like this tend to be uh, successful. Uh, I know that I've collected more than 10,000 cases of people who've been involved with sociopaths. And I time and time again hear from professional accomplished women, you know, people who have the tiger by the tail, you know, they're running a company, they're raising kids and all this other stuff, and they still get into this. And But they tend to be confident and go-getters. So a woman like that, often has a hard time getting a date, you know, because a lot of guys are intimidated by someone who's that confident and powerful mm -hmm. and, and has so much on the ball. Well, guess who's not intimidated? Psychopaths, <laughs> you know? So what happens is that the psychopaths, um, they're extroverted, the women are extroverted, and their extroversion is the point of connection between the two people. Uh, the two other traits that put women at risk are uh, investment in relationship. And what that means is that women, they, they 
like special moments. They, they, relationships are important to them. They're, they're, they're really willing to do this. And then the other trait is cooperativeness. Like the women who um, get targeted by psychopaths tend to score in like the 93 percentile of, for the the trait of cooperation. Uh, They're, they're willing to, you know, sacrifice their own interests for the greater good or to put other people before themselves. So it's these three traits, extroversion, investment in relationship and cooperativeness, which are really the ones that put women at risk. So, you know, we're not talking low self-esteem here. You know, we're we're talking, these are the traits that they found. It's just interesting to me because, you know, like, like I said, I've known people throughout my life that, you know, it may not be socio, the person, may, they may not be with our, our sociopaths, but I mean, like, you know, people that have fallen into a trap with somebody that, that, that has issues. I mean, even older, I mean, you see it with the older generation, like people that were married in the 50s a lot because they're more used to being submissive to the man. And in the case of a couple people I knew, the man would do nothing but 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 put her down and, and, and insult her like all the you know all the time, and she would you know go her merry way with it, and it was just like, wow. Yeah, well, um, you know, I've just come out with um, a new book, which is mm-hmm. called "Senior Sociopaths: How to Recognize and Escape Lifelong Abusers." Um, and, and I did this research because the prevailing view in the mental health field is that sociopaths burn out in their 40s and engage in less antisocial behavior. Well, this made no sense to me uh, mm-hmm. because uh, the reason I got into this whole thing myself is because I married a sociopath. I married a guy that took a quarter million dollars from me. He cheated with at least six different women during our two and a half year relationship. He had a child with one of those women. And then 10 days after I left him, he married the mother of the child, which was the second time he committed bigamy. Now, needless to say, uh, my head was spinning when I finally started to find out what was going on. And I told my therapist about his behavior. And she said, he sounds like a sociopath. And I'm like, sociopath, what's that? So that's how I realized um, what I was dealing with. And also um, because of that, I started looking into this and I realized that I had a story to tell. But the thing is that nobody was talking about sociopaths back in the 50s or it was, it was, you know, there, there was no understanding. In fact, this all happened to me in 1996 and it was 1999, you know, when I finally started uh, getting this idea that, that he was a sociopath. So there, there was no discussion before that. So, you know, people had no frame of reference. I mean, they knew that they were being abused in so many, uh, in, in subtle ways sometimes, if it wasn't physical abuse. Uh, they knew something wasn't right, but there was no terminology for it. So there was, there was no way for people to talk about it. And plus, there's this whole idea going around, oh, just hang in there, he'll calm down, or she'll calm down, or they'll grow up. And my research with, for, the, uh, for my book shows that that's not true. You know, people who have one of these personality disorders, you know, once they are an adult, they do not change. You know, this disorder never goes away. In fact, uh, uh, quite a few of my survey respondents said that the behavior they saw was just as bad or worse after they, um, the person turned 50. In fact, that's what 91% of the survey respondents said. 
you know, the, the, um, if they knew the person both before and after age 50, their behavior, their lies, manipulation, and deceitfulness was, was just as bad or worse as they got older. So what happened in your case? You, you met this man, fell in love. Yeah. And um, he, what he did was um, convinced me that we were going to be this great entrepreneurial team and that he had all these ideas and, and uh, he's going to be uh, a, a successful entrepreneur. He told me he was the next Walt Disney and, um, and he's very convincing. So, so this is one of the things about uh, sociopaths is that they have this magnetism about them. They have this charm and this confidence and, and this commanding nature and people believe them, you know, because they, they present absolutely no doubt whatsoever. And, um, you know, he told me about his experience. I mean, the man was actually from Australia, although he lived only a half an hour away from me in New Jersey. So it wasn't like a, a long distance relationship to Australia. Um, but he, he had made connections locally and he kept introducing me to his business contacts and all this other stuff. And I believed him, you know, because, you know, in the meantime, he's you know telling me that he's been waiting all his life for somebody like me, for me, actually, you know, and and yeah, he had other women before. But but I'm the one I, I'm, you're the one I've been waiting for. And it was convincing. And, and I was vulnerable. I was 40 years old and hadn't been married. And this is what sociopaths do. And this is also why it can happen to anyone is because what they do is they target your vulnerabilities. And guess what? We all have vulnerabilities. You know, if you want something, that's a vulnerability. And sociopaths are just expert at figuring out what it is that you want, what, it, what your vulnerability are is and um, use it to take advantage of you. So you ended up losing what? Over $200,000? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I claimed in court. You know, in, in court, uh, in my divorce, I claimed that he took $227,000 from me. And that was just what I paid on his business expenses. You know, because besides that, I was paying all our household expenses. So I'd say it was easily 300, you know, 350 or something. I don't even know what the number was. But yes, I, I that's that's what. Um, and he didn't like it wasn't I was given him money or, and he wasn't extorting it. He wasn't stealing from my bank account. He just, you know, convinced me that I was investing in our future together. He said we were going to be living in the lap of luxury. And, you know, it sounded good. But the thing is with these situations is that fairly early on, I was getting very nervous about what was happening. And I realized that my money was going out faster than I wanted it to. And, and this is, you know, all the money that I was making and, and you know, my life savings. And but you you feel like you're you're already in this roller coaster and you can't get out. And you know the only way to um, to to even get your money back is to you know keep priming the po pipe and hoping that something comes through. So that's the situation I was in. And how was he treating you during all this time? Well, he was not abusive in the way that you mentioned. You know, I mean, he wasn't follow me around and controlling, mm -hmm. not to that extent. Um, you know, there, there, there was no physical abuse. There was only one time, you know, where we were arguing that I, I felt a little bit afraid, but he, he never hit me, you know, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But what he did was he would, he was controlling in that 
um, if I questioned anything, he would turn it around on me and you know, either claim that I was paranoid or I wasn't believing in him or something like that. And, and this is very typical sociopathic behavior where, you know, it's, you start to object, you start to ask questions and somehow they twist it all around that it's all your fault. And, and this is what he did. Uh, you know, he, he continued, he lied all the time. Of course, the thing is, when you're in it, you don't realize you're being lied to. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not until you have a frame of reference after the fact or, or you start finding some more information that you realize that what you've been told is a lie. And when did you start realizing that things were, 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 were not right? Well, um, I knew as I said, fairly early on that, uh, I, I was uncomfortable with all this money that was being spent. And I mean, he actually started, you know, he proposed and then shortly after that started asking me, you know, to invest in the business, but he, he the way he presented it was like, you know, the, these businesses are going to be successful and I want you to profit from them. So, you know, if you, if you give me the money, I'll put it in you and you'll have some percentage points of ownership. It'll be good for your portfolio. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't tell me that he was taking the money to go spend it on other, other women, which is what he was doing, uh, you know, or, or something like that. So um, I, I was pretty nervous about it. And then um, I guess about six months in, because I mean, this whole thing only lasted two and a half years, mm -hmm. you know, so about six months in, um, I, I was already out like $50,000. And I, you know, I, I brought it up. And <laughs> I mean, it was just classic, you know, so uh, it was um, I, I made a list of, of all the money that was taken and um, and I, I I asked for a meeting. And that's how we had conversations. You could just talk to him. You know, we, we have to schedule like a, a meeting and I have all these other things on the list and said, so then so now I want to talk about the finances. And, and I said, well, you know, um, James, because his, his name was James Montgomery. I said, uh, you know, we're I'm like fifty three thousand dollars in debt. And he says, so. And I'm like, well, I'm a little concerned about this. And it's like, we're going to be making millions. $53,000 is nothing, you know, and, and totally dismissed my claims. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so essentially, and, and that was his approach all the time. It was like, yeah, what are you worried about? You know, just pay the minimum on the credit card because, you know, once this works out, you know, we'll have all kinds of money. The accountants will take care of it. You know, he, he would just dismiss any kind of claim. So, and that's what happened. And, um, so later on, one project actually almost did work, and that was a Titanic exhibition. And um, so we, we were going to launch it here in Atlantic City, where I live, and um, it collapsed again. He actually got investors. He, he had a partner. He had investors. You know, that money came in, and we were working on it, and then it all fell apart. And I was like, oh, gosh, not again. And so then what happened was he told me that he cut a deal to open the show in Florida. So, you know, we go down to Florida and I expected us to be, you know, working like crazy to get this show ready and nothing's happening. You know, so I finally asked, I said, well, when is the show going to open? And he says, well, I'm still sorting it out. So I'm like, you mean there's no deal? And he didn't even look up from his computer screen. He said, no. And so, I mean, I, I, I just about collapsed. It was like, you know, he dragged us all the way down to Florida spending money we didn't have on a gamble, you know, and, and from his point of view, he rationalized Well, if you don't gamble, you don't win, <laughs> you know? And, um, but then what happened is that, um, like we, we had collected all these Titanic, um, artifacts to have in the show 
And um, he told me that he had an opportunity to go to New York to um, sell these artifacts to this other company that was uh, building an exhibition. Because this was back in 1998, you know, Titanic was hot, you know, it was everything that was going on. And so I was like, yes, go, you know, you know, sell everything so we can get out of this. And um, so I took him to the airport in Orlando. And on the way to the airport, we had a fight because I was asking him, you know, I was looking for some rings. I, I had some of my rings in my jewelry box. They weren't there. I was actually planning on taking the rings to a pawn shop to get money for groceries. I mean, that's that's how broke I was at that point. And um, so I, I asked where the rings are and he says, oh, they're in a lockbox. So, you know, I leave him at the airport, you know, we're still fighting. I, I come back to the house, the, the apartment that we had. I find this lockbox. I open it up and a, a key, the key's just laying right there in the, in the drawer. I open it up and there's pictures of him with a baby. So he had had this child with another woman while married to me. And I found the birth certificate of, for this baby. And he was, uh, you know, it, it was conceived and born during our marriage. And my first response was relief. It was like, now I can leave. Now, because in the past, I'm thinking, you know, what wife leaves her husband because the business plans aren't working out? You know, because I, I didn't realize, I mean, I at one point I suspected that he was cheating on me, but now I've got this evidence, you know, so it was that I, I could leave. And I did, you know, I packed up and, and, and went back to New Jersey, you know, and of course I driving a U-Haul truck and everything like that. And then uh, I started going through all his papers here. And then I'm finding all this information about all these other women because, you know, I never went through his stuff. I, I wasn't, didn't want to pry. So I, I went through it all, and um, eventually I found these names and phone numbers, and uh, you know it, it's evidence that seems to indicate that other women are giving his money at the same time. So um, I called one of the women and I said, "Hello, this is Donna Anderson. I'm James Montgomery's wife, and I'd like to uh, recommend that you don't give him any more money." And she says to me, "It's too late. I already gave him ninety-two thousand dollars." Wow. And that's when I realized that my whole marriage was a financial scam. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it's amazing to think what he did with all that money. I mean, that's a, that's a big chunk of change, boy. I never found any of it. And, and, and it was gone because eventually, you know, I did, I did get a judgment in my divorce. Uh, and um, the, the judge awarded me everything that was taken from me, plus a million dollars in punitive damages. So, you know, I, I've got my judgment. I'm going after him. So I did this international asset search. It was gone. There, there was no money. And, and plus, I wasn't the only victim. There, you know, three other women testified at my divorce, plus the parents of the wife before me who died. And from the five of us, he took more than a million dollars. It was gone. It, it, was, it was just gone. Incredible. Incredible. Well, he must have been living high off the hog, boy. I don't know what he did with it. You know, it was like, I, I do know that anytime we went in the store, he bought whatever was on the counter. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he just went through money like water. And, and so, so I, I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. Was he verbally abusive to you or anything like that? <sighs> he didn't like call me names or things, but he would be critical. Um, 
it's it's kind of hard to describe it, it would just he would he would just like um berate me for not believing in him or something like that and you know so i mean um every once in a while he would come out with a derogatory comment but i i i, I wouldn't define it as verbally abusive i mean it's much it's it's the manipulation that's the problem it's it's how they get you to do things and um, it, it can be hard to um, describe, which is one reason why people have a hard time describing it, you know, because it's like it, it's something that you just kind of pick up, you know, that that he's he's, you know, being dismissive or or like he, he wasn't concerned about my concerns. You know, if, mm -hmm. if you love someone and you're married to them and they're worried about the money, if they really love you, at least you're willing to talk about it. And he, he just couldn't be bothered. You know, it was like how I felt and my fears meant nothing to him. Wow. Wow. So did he even show up to the divorce proceedings at all? Oh, no, he didn't participate. Well, he he um, hired an attorney. The attorney participated for a little while. He never filled out the paperwork. And he never did the income statement or anything like that. And then eventually he dismissed his attorney and um, stopped participating. When, were you able to sit down with the uh, other ex-wives or the other women and talk to them? Yeah, I did uh, because I, I wrote a book. My first book actually tells this whole story and it's called Love Fraud, How Marriage to a Sociopath Revealed My um, Spiritual Plan. And um, so I did. I interviewed the um, the parents of the wife before me who died. So mm -hmm. I, I spoke to um, to them, or actually mostly to uh, the mother, because I was just about to interview him when the father passed away. So that was that was kind of uncomfortable. Um, but then I also spoke to a, a, the wife before that, um, who lost a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, I, and I spoke to the woman who lost the $92,000 and I spoke to a few other people. So I interviewed multiple people for my, um, for this, for this love fraud book. And that's what makes it more in depth than a lot of books, because it's not just my story. It, it also is the, the story of all these other people and how they intersected. And, uh, it, it's, it's really quite the read. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's a, it's a combination of a spiritual journey and a true crime novel. Uh, that's what it sounds like. And what about the woman that had the baby? Well, I actually did have an email exchange with her. And then afterwards, um, I helped her get her divorce because, you know, he, he never told her that he was married to me. I was just some business partner who was flying off the handle. And he denied it to the end that he was ever married, you know, until she actually went with him to Australia. And then, you know, things started getting bad for her. So she came back here for a vacation. And that's when she was able to finally get my uh, official divorce papers, you know, from the state of New Jersey. And so after that, you know, she she gave him an ultimatum that if he ever lied to her, it was over. And he proceeded to lie to her. And so she divorced him. And, and I, uh, you know, gave her uh, her lawyer permission to use my documents, which enabled her to get the divorce. So they never caught up to him then, right? Um, well, the only thing that caught up to him was that when um, I found him because he disappeared, you know, he went back to Australia and it, mm -hmm. and it took me a couple years after the divorce to actually find him and serve him with my papers and, uh, 
And when I did, that's when we found out that, you know, there was no money to be had. Um, but at, at the time, uh, I had started to build my website, which is called lovefraud.com. And um, one of the other things that I did uh, was that I pursued um, his his fake military claims, because that was what he did. He claimed to be a Vietnam War hero. He claimed to still be involved with special forces. You know, he gave me these stories about going off on missions and, and when in fact he was with another woman. And um, I mean, but he was so brazen about this that he joined the local uh, Vietnam veterans organization. He was a keynote speaker at a, a veterans day ceremony. You know, I mean, he, he just had no shame. He got up there, you know, put this, uh, uniform on and, and talked about the war. And when he was never in the war, it, it was all fake. Wow. So, so, oh yeah, it just goes on and on. So, um, I contacted an organization in, um, in Australia that was called the Australia and New Zealand military imposters send him all the documentation because, I mean, he gave me all these papers, all his reports and, you know, things like that. And they researched it totally fake. Everything was fake. So what happened was when my website went live, lovefraud.com, uh, they put him up on their page of their phonies uh, at the same time. And then somebody in that organization tipped off the Australian media and it was all over the media. You know, they called him, you know, meet major fraud. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great. You know, so like every morning, cause they, they're, you know, uh, 16 hours ahead or whatever the time difference was. And so every morning I'd wake up, okay, what did they do today? And all this stuff kept rolling in and, and he, he lost everything. He lost his job. He, you know, he was, he, he was asked to resign from volunteer positions at a museum, you know, just all kinds. Plus I, I just ruined his game because the other women, you know, found out about him and, and dumped him. So, so, so that was worth it. I guess so. It sounds like it was. So, you know, for women out there right now, what are the signs people should look for? Because I know sociopath was used kind of like a blanket, you know, diagnosis for so many years. I mean, when I think of a sociopath, I think of Ted Bundy because that's what they called him was a right. sociopath. Right. So okay. What is the difference? I mean, is there a difference between, well, I mean, obviously your husband didn't, well, that you know of, didn't kill people. But I mean, there is a difference, isn't there, as to what's Bundy, you know, Bundy's sociopath version as opposed to your husband's sociopath. Right. Version. Okay. Well, the the terminology is very confusing, and you know that's one reason why people have a hard time figuring out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is that the professionals don't agree on the terminology. You know, and if the professionals don't agree, I mean, what are the rest of us going to do? Right. So it, it's actually um, there's this dichotomy in that the researchers in universities, the ones who are coming out with all these scientific papers papers, they use the term psychopathy. And um, the reason is that uh, that's there, there's an instrument called the psychopathy checklist revised, which is like how they measure someone's level of disorder. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hundreds of papers have used this. It's, 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 it's validated and, you know, it can differentiate, you know, between bad cases and not so bad cases and things like that. But all the clinicians, like the, the psychologists and the psychiatrists, they have to refer to the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association. And in that book, that's where they have the terminology antisocial personality disorder, um, histrionic, borderline, and narcissistic personality disorders. So 
you know, so, um, you know, it, it just depends who's talking as, as far as which terminology that they use. Now, antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy are very similar, although not precisely the same thing. Now, when it comes to sociopaths, that term was coined back in 1930, and originally it meant anything deviated or pathological in social relations. So it was an umbrella term. And that's how I use it on love fraud as an umbrella term for all of these disorders, because yes, there are differences among the disorders, but for those of us who are the targets, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, we don't we don't need to figure out precisely what the disorder is. If you're a psychologist, psychologist or psychiatrist trying to treat somebody, yeah, you got to know. But for the rest of us, it it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we need to know that all of them are out there and we need to protect ourselves from all of them. So I use the term sociopath to encompass all of them. Sure. No problem. No problem. Um, Cause you can think about narcissists too. I mean, people get involved with narcissists all the time. Right. Right. And what's happened is that the term narcissist is really being tossed around a lot these days. Mm-hmm. And personally, from what I've seen, it looks to me like a lot of people who say they are involved with narcissists are actually involved with people who have either antisocial personality disorder or psychopathy. But I think they use the term narcissist because it's less scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't sound as bad as being involved with uh, a psychopath. And um, I, I think a, a lot of people are um, mischaracterizing what they're involved with, but again, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, as long as you know that you know that these people have these very serious disorders, they exploit and manipulate others, and they're not going to get better. So, I mean, that's really all you need to know about them. Now, when you finally, re- you know, when the dawning day came and you realized what you had been dealing with. Did you have to go through, because you, you were seeing a therapist, so did you have to go through a, a lot of therapy in order to even like come out and function and talk to other people and stuff? Because It would make me really leery about being around people. Well, um, actually, the type of therapy that I did was um, um, an energy counselor, so it was more on the spiritual side. Okay. And I had a long-time relationship uh, with this therapist um, for you know quite a few years, even before I met my ex-husband, mm-hmm. and which was good, you know, because at least I already had a foundation. And um, so, yeah, it, it was a lot of work. Um, I mean, I, I. When this happens, the first person you beat up is yourself, you know, because it's like, why did I put up with this? Why didn't I knew something was wrong? Why didn't I get out of it? Why did I keep giving the money? And and you you really come down hard on yourself. Uh, and and just about everybody that I talk to has that experience. You know, they just really you know beat themselves up for having done this. Um, it was painful. I mean, I, I was wiped out financially. My business was decimated. Uh, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no money. I, I had no work. I mean, it, it was it was awful. So um, she helped me going through the process of releasing the pain of the situation because that's what needed to happen. You know, it has you have all this this negative energy inside you, all the, the, the grief and the anger and, and everything, and, and it has to come out. So um, I worked on it for quite a while. Um, 
oh gosh, a couple of years, I guess, but you don't do it all the time because you still have to live your life. You know, you still have to figure out how you're going to survive. You still have to deal with practical things. So even though, you know, I did spend, you know, hours at a time, uh, you know, curled up in a ball, um, eventually you got to, you know, pick your, pick yourself up and feed the dog, you know, or, or something like that. So, um, it, it took, it took a while, but, um, I got over it. So you ended up writing eight books, though. Eight books altogether, yes. Yeah, the first was The Love Fraud. Then I did one called Red Flags of Love Fraud, 10 Signs You're Dating a Sociopath. And that's the one where I lay out all the warning signs, if somebody can see whether or not you're in a romantic relationship with somebody like this. Uh, that also has a little workbook that goes with it. Then I um, did a collection of four books, which are actually collections of my blog articles, because there's like 4,000 articles on the blog. So uh, yeah, I, I did a collection of that. And then I just came out with the Senior Sociopaths book. So tell us now, now, now that you've mentioned your, your, your book about how to tell that someone could be a sociopath without giving everything away, because of course you, you want people to read your books. What are some of the signs that stand out? Well, yeah. Um, With romantic relationships, I I did talk about um, the one, the idea of the um, the magnetism. I mean, the the top thing is charisma and charm. These people tend to be very charismatic. They tend to be very charming and uh, just have this presence about them, which is very exciting. Then they uh, engage in a behavior called love bombing. You know, what that means is they shower you with attention and affection. They tell you how wonderful they, you are. They, they want to be with you all the time. Uh, they also do something which I call the um, sudden soulmate. You know, you meet this person and all of a sudden you feel like you met the person you've been looking for all your life. Well, there's a reason for that. And the reason is because the sociopath studies you, figures out what it is that you're looking for, and then makes himself or herself into that person. Um, they also tend to have uh, a lot of sexual magnetism. And the reason for this is because all sociopaths, whether male or female, have excess testosterone. So that that makes people want to pursue mating and they do a lot of pursuing and mating. So, you know, um, now the problem, of course, is that like these first four signs sound pretty good. <laughs> you know, I mean, who doesn't want to date somebody who's charming and exciting and sexy and thinks you're wonderful and is showering you with attention and affection. So there's other signs like, for example, um, blaming. All sociopaths blame other people for everything that's bad in their life. I mean, they never take responsibility for anything. And that's something that you'll see fairly consistently and fairly um early in the involvement. So it's important to note that one. And then they also do something called the pity play, which is they try to make you feel sorry for them. So so those are some of the warning signs. And the idea is that you need to see all of them. You know, if you, if somebody is, you know, sexy and charming and thinks you're wonderful, that doesn't mean they're a sociopath. You know, you, you kind of have to see the whole package. So it's important to know what all the warning signs are so that you can um, figure out um, what you're dealing with. And this could happen at really any age, not just, I mean, you talked about your book about the seniors, but I know there's, there's even kids in school that are running into people like that. Absolutely. Running into other kids. Yes. In fact, um, 
there's a reason for that. Most sociopaths start their uh, manipulative and deceitful behavior, at least by the time they're puberty. So, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, the, the people who have these disorders are, are starting with this behavior. And I have done some presentations at high schools. And invariably, every time after the presentation, a few kids came up to me, a few teachers came up to me, you know, they're already dealing with these kind of situations in high school. So yes, it can start that young and it continues till the day they die. And what about seniors? I know, I know we started to touch on that. We veered off of it. What's happening with seniors? Because I know, you know, people marry, their spouses die, you know, some of them are desperate to have another spouse, you know, so they might step in even easier to a bad situation. That happens all the time. And as I said, the main, the main point, the main reason that I wrote the Senior Sociopaths book mm -hmm. is to document the fact that they don't get better. In fact, they get worse, you know, because as I said, the prevailing view in the mental health field is that they burn out in their 40s. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, they continue to be, um, their, their bad behavior continues. And uh, in, in many cases, it gets worse. Because when I asked the, um, th that book, by the way, is based on surveys that I did with Love Fraud readers. And I had more than 2,000 respondents to the Senior Sociopath Survey. And that was specifically asking questions about uh, someone who they thought was disordered, who was um, age 50 or older. So, so that was the cutoff, you know, because the, the, the professionals are saying that by age 40, they start calming down. So I figured, well, all right, well, let me start at age 50 because hope supposedly they would be calming down if, if they're starting in their 40s. Well, it didn't happen. And so that key question that I asked, you know, if you knew the person both before and after age 50, how was the behavior? Well, over 50% said it was worse. And, and if you add up the people who said it was just the same or worse, it was 91%. So, you know, it was, it, this wasn't a, a little fraction here. This was overwhelming uh, opinion, overwhelming evidence that they got worse as they got older. And in this particular book, it's not just about romantic partners, although um, that's most of the um, respondents it was romantic partners, but people could write about anyone. So I had people discussing their parents, their siblings, uh, other family members, business associates, colleagues, and uh, neighbors down the street. So I have a chapter on each one of those types of relationships. And the point is that sociopaths don't just take advantage of romantic partners, although they do tend to treat family members, partners and family members the worst, but, you know, they, this permeates their life. I mean, they're just as bad as neighbors, just as bad as business associates. So um, it's important for people to realize that. I'm not laughing at the whole thing, but when I think about your marriage with your husband with all the, with, with all the extra women, and we talk about the senior sociopaths, I'm thinking Don Juan at 70. You know, so, but I mean, it's nothing to laugh at because this is happening all the time. Just like when you were talking about a lot of this stuff, I think about these women too that have that 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 loneliness thing going on with the love scams, like on computers, mm -hmm. you know. And that's what these guys are doing. They're telling them what they want to hear, right? And you know, that's a particularly scary situation because um, many of them 
the scammers are like based in Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, they're they're running I mean people do this scamming they they have a job. They like go to an office somewhere where they've got all these computers set up and people are you know scouring the globe looking for targets. Yeah. And um and and that proves or it's an indication of just how insidious this is because the, the whole process is emotional and and these people figure out a way to hook into their target's emotions even though they're on the other side of the world you know even though they never met and you know that there's there's everybody has these emotional vulnerabilities and you know i mean i i couldn't figure it out you know in in my case i knew the guy i mean we were married right. we were living right. together and 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 i couldn't understand um you know how people could you know give all their money to somebody that they've never met before but it, it's just that it, it becomes a, a big mental game and um you know what happens is people be they actually fall in love with their own fantasy mm-hmm. and and that's what goes on in these situations mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what happens is you know if, especially if you're communicating by um text or email or online and 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 they're not doing a video chat or something like that what happens is um you know you have words on a screen and experts have found that 65 to 90% of the meaning of human communication is nonverbal. Yeah. Now, if, if you're uh, just reading words on the screen, that means 65 to 90% of the meaning is missing. Okay. It's not there. So what happens is people make the statements mean what they want them to mean. Mm-hmm. And through that, they fall in love with their own fantasy, which leaves them open to being exploited. Well, you know, there's some cases, too, where these guys, they're sharp, you know, and they're going to cut and paste poems from, from famous writers or, or from movies or whatever so that they tell them, the person, not even necessarily women, I mean, it goes men, too, you know, to tell the person on the other side what they want to hear. See, that's why, I mean, there's just so many, like you said, it's just, it's just a blanket of this stuff that goes on. And I feel bad for people. I feel not that they're gullible or anything like that. It's just... These people know, it's like with your husband, you know, people like that, they know how to push the buttons. Yes. And that's the other thing about the senior sociopaths is they've been doing it all their lives. I mean, they get better at it. You know, they learn what works. So, uh, well, there's that, that's part of it. And then there's the other part where often they also get to the point where they just don't even bother anymore. You know, I mean, when they're, when they're younger, they often like try to pretend to have a heart. And, you know, by the time they get, you know, 60 years old or something, they, they don't even bother pretending anymore. It's like, you know, it's done. Now, the question that was coming through, going through my mind was, is it like it is with the phone scam, with, with the, um, excuse me, online scammers, where as the, as the relationship progresses, the person that the sociopath will try to keep you away from your family? You know, where they'll try to isolate you more. Yeah. So oh, you're, you're in their world and, 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 you, and there's no one to say anything from the outside. Right. Isolation is a very typical strategy. And, you know, they do that. Um, that's that's pretty consistent because that enables them to maintain control over someone. And, for example, like my ex-husband did that to me in that what they do um i mean he he wasn't following me around you know like the story yeah that you told in the beginning mm-hmm. but he like picked fights with my family 
you know, so, so now he doesn't want to go, you know, to see my family. So now, you know, if I go to see my family, he's, you know, huffing and puffing, you know, because, well, you're seeing your family, you're not seeing me, you know, and all this other stuff. And, and that's just very typical is that they make it uncomfortable for you to be around um, your friends and family. And so people stop seeing their friends and family and therefore lose their support systems. Well, plus it makes them, it makes it easier for them to manipulate you too, because yes. If the friends and family are hearing that you're you're forking out thousands and thousands of dollars to to, to this husband for his businesses and, and and they're not going well, they're the first ones that are going to stand up, you know, come forward and say, hey, you you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, if you tell them, because the other thing right. that happens is that you know, I mean, I don't want to admit what's going on. I don't want sure. to admit that I made a mistake. You know, so. So I wasn't, you know, laying out the gory details um, mm -hmm. un until like well after the fact. Yeah, but you know what? Mothers always know. So, I mean, if you're around your, your mother enough or even your father, they could tell when you're, you know, you could act, you could act, you know, foofy all you want around your around your mother and father. And they can tell when when you're not steady. No matter this what. is true. And but my father made the point because um, I've actually been on TV a few times telling this story, but my father made the point, you know, she's a grown woman. She's 40 years old. You know, I, I can't tell her what to do. Right. Which is true. And, and friends and family, you know, even if they suspect something's wrong, you know, they trust that you know what you're doing and they don't want to rain on your parade. Mm -hmm. So, so consequently, a lot of people say nothing. This is true. Well, and you look at the phone scammers, a lot of that goes on too until the family realizes it's too late because then at some point the, the mother or grandmother's coming over and saying, well, I don't have enough groceries or I don't have enough this. Can, will you help me? And then they're going, well, you have all your retirement. Well, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For that stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's scary. It's scary. So what, what can women do? I mean, when, when they meet somebody new, what can they do? I mean, how, how do they ferret it out? Well, um, there's actually even men for that answer. I'm sorry, men and women. Yes, men and women. Um, there's there's actually three steps to protecting yourself. The first step is to know that they exist. Okay. Now, this is the hard part. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, "I never knew people like this existed." Now, well, they do, and so that's that's the first point. We we need to understand that they exist. The second is to know the warning signs. You know, I talked about a few of them, but, you know, you, you could get my red flags book or you can sure. you know, go online. I mean, there's lots of lists and checklists that, that you could look at to find out what um, some of the warning signs are. But the third and most important step is to trust your instincts. Now, we, we all have intuition. Our intuition evolved over millennia to protect us from predators. So, you know, we, we, we get that bad feeling, you get a, a gut feeling, a reaction, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, whatever it is, you, you get a warning that something isn't quite right. And um, many people do. I mean, I asked about this in one of my surveys for the Red Flags book. I, I asked, you know, did you have a warning that something wasn't right about this person? 72% of people said yes. You know, and then if you add in the, the people who actually someone else told them there was a problem or the, the sociopath, you know, even laid out, oh, you know, I'm bad news, which sometimes they say. And, and but people are like, well, you know, um, I can change it. You know, my love will make a difference. So, no, it's not going to make a difference. But anyway, it's like 90 percent of us get some kind of a warning that there's a problem. 
So the key is that when you get the warning to pay attention and do something about it. Or it's the, one of my particular favorites is the guy that, that got, as far as the men go, for women too, but the guy that's been married three or four times. And when you ask him about it, he'll say, oh, but they were all psycho. They're all this, they're all that. I mean, that that's like whoop, red flag right there because something's going on. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, yes. to look out for stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. just frightening because there's just so much of this there's, that, that goes on and people don't realize it. I mean, it could be your neighbor next, like you say, it could be the neighbor next door who looks like they've got a really great life with their husband or whatever, and, and, and you, you're, you're hello and cordial to them, and you don't realize this is going on until all of a sudden there's a big blowout or, or you know, or, or, or they're getting, or she's getting evicted, he or she's getting evicted because there's no money. Right. Yes. The, the fact of the matter is that the numbers are really staggering. Uh, you know, depending on which study you look at, somewhere between five and a half percent to 17 and a half percent of the population could have one of these personality disorders. So if you look at the number of adults in the United States, that means we live among 31 million sociopaths, you know, and, and they're everywhere. So people really need to be aware about this. And, you know, just just yeah, I know you're not a doctor and all this. Why do you think that is? Is it the way our society is built and designed, or is it just just people are off the rockers? It's highly genetic. Okay. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, people can be born with a predisposition to this disorder, and then there's this interaction between nature and nurture. Um, so that if if someone has a genetic predisposition, then they get bad parenting. And if their parents a sociopath, they're going to get bad parenting. Um, then it it just comes around. So um, that's a big part of it. Although there, you know, there are some other indications that, especially like narcissism, you know, might have some more social roots um, because we don't have the sense of community now that we had years ago. I mean, you took, you mentioned early on about people in the fifties. Well, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was much more cohesive in the fifties. So um, I'm not sure of the interaction between that and um, genetics. Maybe mm -hmm. there isn't any, but you know, you can pick up some of this, you know, based on um, the environment itself. And, you know, we're, we're not taught to be, empathetic you know we're not taught to care about the community anymore and, and it's everybody's out for themselves um so so that factors into it although most of it you know is people who are born with a predisposition i find this all interesting you know like i said i run into people in various stages of either that or like the people i i mentioned in the beginning of the show you know, where, where it's obvious what's going on. But, I mean, you can't, like, you're right. You can't, I mean, the person's 40 years old. You can't go out and say, hey, look, I think, I think you got a problem here. Because if they're madly in love with that other person, forget it. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that people struggle with. Um, like, it, on my website, lovefraud.com, is like, mm -hmm. do you warn the next victim? And um, I actually say that if you can do it safely, um, you should. And by safely, I mean it, you don't jeopardize certainly your physical safety, but also your finances, your reputation, you know, because they can lash out. So if you um, can warn somebody safely, I, I think that you should at least try. Now, if you try, one of three things is going to happen. 
either the person's going to believe you and end the involvement, or they're not going to believe you because the, the sociopath has already said that you're crazy and, you know, jealous and all this other stuff. Or the third thing is that they won't believe you right away, but then when they start to see bad behavior, they say, oh, that's what they're talking about. Um, so you have to be fine with whatever happens. Um, but so I, I do suggest that if you can do it safely, um, it's, it's good to tr at least try. And I know that I mean, I've heard from people who were grateful that they were warned. Um, I've also heard from people who wished they had been told, um, you know, so you can try. If you can do it safely, you can try. Now, for the person that's involved, when, when they finally get to that breaking point and they, they want to get away from this sociopath, how do they do it? Because, like, in your case, I'm not saying it was easy, but he, you know, you, you found the box. He wasn't around. It was easier to break. It, it was a little easier to break the ties and just he comes home and you know, you're not there. Right. Um, it all depends on the nature of the relationship and the level mm -hmm. of involvement. Um, if you're married to this person and you have like all kinds of financial ties and things like that, um, it's, you have to be very strategic about how you do this. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you, if you know, you want to get a divorce and you, you want to try and get what's yours as far as the assets are concerned, well, you may need to get the paperwork and you need to do that before you tell them, you know, because once you say you want a divorce, everything's out the window, it's gone, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, it, it, there, there's, a, there's quite a bit of strategy um, to doing this, um, but it is, it is possible. The, the main thing is that once you figure out you're dealing with a sociopath, the last thing you should do is go up to this person and say, I know you're a sociopath, you know, or, or something. I mean, you, you want to keep it to yourself while you figure out how to put together an exit plan. Absolutely. Donna, thank you so much. You're very welcome. For coming on. And this is something, I, you know, this show that does paranormal stuff the majority of the time. But as I said, my email to you, I'm also a journalist. Mm -hmm. I covered crimes and courts for five years. And so I like to mix it up with stuff like this. Last night we last night we had a great topic as well, you know. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I want to get the word out stuff like this. I've even had the I've even had scam and scammers action here here on Facebook, on the show as well because I used to work with them and I used to, I'm not going to say what I did, but I used to do you know I, I used to follow them. I'll just say that. And. Um, yeah, it's just something near and dear to my heart to to get the word out for people so so they don't fall into these traps and okay. stuff. And at the, and after this is you know after you're off the air, I will show your website and I will show your books so people know what they are. Okay. And they could try to get them. Okay. All right. But I thank you so much for coming on, and I appreciate it. And maybe sometime in the future we could have you on again to talk more about this stuff. But All this right. is so important to get the word out. Thank so you so important. much. I appreciate right, the opportunity. All right. And how can people reach you? Because you said something about videos and stuff. So let's Oh, yes. Yes. Well, my website is lovefraud.com. Mm -hmm. And um, I have uh, lots of articles there. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I do a, a YouTube show every week. So you can uh, find the videos there. Uh, we also have webinars and I do personal consultations. Uh, a lot of people call me. Uh, typically what they're looking for is validation that they're dealing with what they think they're de dealing with. Um, so uh, just come to Love Fraud and, and everything's there. And what is your YouTube channel? It's called Love Fraud Lessons on okay. YouTube. 
yeah that's where you guys can look all right ma'am well you have a good evening and thank you so much and you're good welcome luck to you thank you all right bye 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 all right guys yeah that's something near and dear to my heart you know i've seen it over and over with people and it's just something that needs to be brought out anyway tomorrow we're shifting back to paranormal tomorrow anthony quinnott is going to be with us he is a medium and he purchased a haunted doll and he's had this haunted doll in his possession for years you can even google it and do research on this thing it's called harold the haunted doll and its reputation is just as sinister if not worse than annabelle okay because we all know about annabelle right the movie and the, you know the, the john and the zaffis family and and, and you know and, and and the warrens and all that we got harold the haunted doll that we're going to be talking about tomorrow at 6 30. so i'm excited about that a little shift of gears remember saturday is the event at california haunts ghostly events with nancy Matts. we're looking to uh sell a few more tickets here we've got six left to go and if you're interested come on over on the page and sign up over there it's that easy um also I'm going to be over. I'm over on TikTok this morning. <laughs> the dog literally ate my homework this morning. So I have a bunch of stuff I have to write up tonight because she did eat my homework. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. And if you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe. There's that little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner. And he's got a Sherlock Holmes hat on and a magnifying glass. And that's our mascot. And if you want to subscribe to hear more videos like this, and uh, check it out because we've got like 250 videos over there and they're on different topics. Okay, I just don't, as you can see, I just don't focus on the paranormal. Uh, if you're watching from Facebook, please be sure to follow. Hit that follow button. Same thing with, with uh, Twitch. If you're watching over Twitch, hit that follow button because we're looking for followers and stuff. And we're going to have special events over on Facebook. So it's going to be kind of interesting. You know, uh, we're going to be doing events on from Facebook. We're going to be doing events for Meetup. So we're going to have a bunch of events. But I want to thank everybody from for coming today. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people anyway. Okay? Also, again, please subscribe to YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Please follow. And you see that little sign thing at the bottom of the page? That's because the Paranormal Team is a non-profit. Well, technically a non-profit. We, we do not take money or funds to go out and do ghost investigations. So the only way we make any kind of thing to support the team or the radio show is via donations. So you can find it in your heart to donate a little bit to help me pay the bills and pay the internet. That would be great. PayPal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, go on over to Venmo and then just simply type in California Haunts. It's that easy. But I'd really appreciate that too. But anyway, I will see you tomorrow. But right now I'm going to link you up with her information so you can uh, buy, you know, get her books if you feel the need and all that, so let's make sure I get the right one. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. I had to run. I, I renamed all this stuff, so. <laughs> oh, there we go. Webpage. Lovefraud.com. Understanding the sociopath and the other set of books, Seduced by a Sociopath, Recovering from the soci Sociopath. Senior Sociopaths, Dealing with a Sociopath.
estafa, estafa amorosa, alertas rojas, and love fraud. And those books can either be found at her website or at Amazon. Again, thank you guys for coming. And I'm glad you were all here to hear this. It's very important to get the word out to your friends. If they haven't seen the show, kind of direct them over to see the show on the replay. I think it's something important. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good evening.